Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to another edition. This week, a reporter for a financial planning magazine asked me, when uh, a client loses their job, what emotional support should they expect from the planner? How can the planner best respond to the emotions of the client? And what emotions can the planner expect to experience? Well, (laughs) this was kind of interesting to me. And it's something I've really never pondered specifically from the viewpoint of a client saying that they have lost their job. So I thought it'd be interesting to explore. And probably what I'm going to say isn't totally new news to a listener of this podcast, but I think it's uh, formatted in a little different way. And it's also specifically in relation to someone losing their job. Also, I'm going to respond to this in basically talking to financial planners and financial therapists. So if you are none of the above and a listener of the podcast, frame this up as this is what you would want to expect or the type of behavior that you would want to expect from a financial planner or a financial therapist. So I I think this will be insightful regardless of which side of the desk that you're on. So let's start with the most obvious. What type of emotional support is a client expecting in this first conversation with the planner? Well, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what the client's expectation would be. Without asking, every client could have a different expectation. Some of them might just need to be heard and affirmed for the feelings that they're having. Others might need data. Others might need both. So we can't assume what feelings a client's going to be having. And I don't know if I said this this recently on the podcast or not, but there's research. People were shown pictures of faces, faces of people, and then asked what emotions the people were feeling. And then they unveiled the feelings that the person in the picture said they were feeling. The responses were all over the board. So a face that one person makes for sadness, another person might make for fear. And a face that I might project or interpret is feeling fear, maybe feeling sadness or something totally different. So this really underscores that we can't even be sure that the emotions we think we're seeing on the face of someone are the actual emotion that they're feeling. So to know, we've got to ask them. You know, how are you doing? 
I'm curious as to what feelings are arising for you. What's it like to have lost your job? I'm curious about that. Could you tell me more about what you're experiencing? I'm curious about the thoughts that are running through your mind. And maybe most importantly, uh, what do you need from me? How can I best support you in this moment rather than assuming what they need from me? Because as a left brain planner, I can immediately go to the data, immediately go to the numbers, immediately go to the, re the amount in the emergency account. So it's really important that we ask. And it's also important to understand that most of our clients don't have the emotional intelligence to say, you know, I just really need the feelings I'm having to be heard and validated. But what they often need is just that. Someone who will listen without giving advice, minimizing their feelings, assuring them they'll be okay, interrupting them, or relating to their own story when they lost a job. Now, as a planner, you might have bristled a little bit when I said that they need somebody to listen to them without giving advice. Well, what are they coming to us for if it's not for, not for advice? It doesn't mean you don't give it any advice ever, but we've got to know. You know I, I'm thinking of the Kenny Rogers song, know when to hold them and know when to fold them. We've got to know when, what's the timing. It's also important for the advisor or planner not to think about how he or she would feel in this situation and assume that's what the client is feeling, right? Again, we've got to find out how the client feels. When a planner says, you must be feeling scared. And in fact, the client isn't feeling scared. Uh, they could, not always, but they could internalize some shame around that, that somehow <laughs> they're reacting incorrectly. They're feeling wrong. They should be feeling fear. So a better response for a planner would be to say, Instead of saying, oh, you must be scared, or I see that you're scared when they haven't said it, right? You could say, you know, I'm really curious on how you're feeling. Or I'm curious if you're feeling scared about this, okay? You haven't told them you are feeling scared. You've, you've said, I'm curious if you're feeling scared. No, I'm not feeling scared, okay. Or it sounds like maybe you're feeling scared. Am I getting that right? So the important thing here is don't tell the client what they're feeling. And also, always one of the best responses a planner can have when you really want to listen deeply is tell me more. Tell me more and then summarize what you've heard to be sure that you are hearing them correctly and to help them know that they're being uh, listened to. And I also want to say I was a pro at telling people what they were feeling. So none of this, none of what I'm telling you comes naturally to me. <laughs> um, and on my good days, I do this stuff. And on my not so good days, 
sometimes all of my learning can go right out the window. Just ask anybody on my staff. So I just wanted to get that out there. Some clients could feel so overwhelmed that they don't want to talk about what they're feeling. Now, when this happens, it's usually because they don't feel safe. Usually, when I don't want to talk about something, I don't feel safe to talk about it. That could also go two ways. It could be safe with you or it could be safe with me. And from an IFS lens, those protective parts of me might be afraid that I would get so overwhelmed to talk about it that they just shut that down. So if somebody says they don't want to talk about what they're feeling, it doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. It means they're not feeling safe for any number of reasons. So I don't want to talk about it uh, or the feelings or what I'm having. Uh, that's a no. And no is always a complete sentence. And the planner needs to follow the client. We never dig. A good therapist, a good financial life planner never digs. Because digging would indicate going someplace where there's resistance or where there's a no, where there's not an open door. It's kind of a misconception with a lot of people that therapists dig. And a good therapist never does. So, and just to summarize this, the first thing an advisor needs to do is to be with the client for as long or as short as is needed. It's uh, usually best to wait until the client asks for an opinion or advice from you to launch into the data and the logic. So again, there's no formula for this. A client could need an hour to process this emotionally. Client might need one minute to process this. And then they want to get into the data, the financial plan, and start coming up with a course of action. Another thing that I want to mention, and this is pretty common, I've run into it a couple times this week. If a client's struggling to access his or her emotions, or is feeling overwhelmed or shut down. This doesn't mean that you drop the conversation, afraid that any discussion about the job loss will cause them to feel bad, which is a janky way. Pick that up for my kids. <laughs> a janky way, an ineffective way of saying, we don't want them to feel difficult emotions. Have you ever said, oh man, I can't bring that up? because I don't want to make them feel bad, all right? How someone else is going to react to your words is something you have absolutely no control over. It's like um, a doctor not bringing up the fact that you have a cancer diagnosis because, oh man, they're going to have some difficult feelings around this and I don't want them to feel bad. Okay, it seems preposterous, but it would be the same way in delivering financial facts. The financial planner is not in charge of their client's feelings. That doesn't mean that they're to be insensitive or inappropriate or brutally frank in how the communications are delivered. But it means that we don't withhold vital information because we're afraid of how the client's going to feel. 
So we try not to project how we think the client's going to respond. And I could take off on a number of war stories right now about uh, trepidation I had around how I thought a client, a client was going to respond and screwing up my courage to give them the bad news, delivering it only to have them respond rather uh, lightly. Okay, great. Oh, that's so good to know that because now we know what we're dealing with. <laughs> so again, just being curious uh, in the moment that we're with a client can go a long, long way. We need to ask the client what information they need or ask them if we can give them some feedback or information that we think is important. Therapist, a financial therapist and financial planner need, need to remember that they are an advocate to their client. They have a fiduciary duty to let them know the facts in a timely, prompt, and appropriate manner. So, you know, how to do this is um, the question, because again, there is no formula. So when this happens, a client has lost their job. I think it's really important for the financial advisor or the financial therapist to know or have reviewed the client's financial situation, their financial plan, and knows what their strengths and weaknesses are relating to the job loss. They've absolutely got to know if they have an emergency uh, reserve. They need to know how this is going to impact their retirement. They need to know how much income they, <clears throat> the client does need to be bringing in. Because it, it may mean they may not need to replace the, the full earnings of the job. Maybe only half the earnings will actually be necessary. Maybe they don't even have to get a new job. And maybe they need a new job tomorrow. All of this is important for the financial therapist and the financial advisor to know. And getting all this information, knowing all this information is like a doctor having done uh, labs before prescribing a treatment to a client. So it doesn't mean that the planner needs to give all the details of the plan. Going back to a doctor analogy, when my doctor does my labs, he often, you know, there may be five pages of labs when I get a physical and he just draws a smiley face on it. <laughs> Says everything's good. Now, that is not enough for me, right? I'm kind of a data details guy and I want to go through every line and look at every lab. But he tells me for most people, that's all they want to know. Am I okay? And that is true often of the clients of a financial planner. You may spend two hours reviewing the financial plan, running all sorts of what ifs and scenarios, and all that can be delivered in a couple sentences. And what, what often is the best to do is if they ask, am I okay? And the planner or therapist say yes, 
Would you like to know more? Rather than launching into a 15-minute dialogue, well, it's not even a dialogue, oration on all the specifics and the details of why they're okay, which would be my MO. And I cannot tell you since I started asking this question of, would you like to know more? How many times? The client tells me no. <laughs> and I'm just like, wait a minute. You can't say that. I got two hours into being able to say you're okay. <laughs> I want you to know the specifics. I would suggest you don't do that. So <clears throat> the next steps after you tell them or tell them they're going to be okay or summarize all this is going to depend on the reality of the client's financial situation, uh, then the, their emotional state, and what they want to know. It's really important to give the data when the client is in a place emotionally to hear it, right? So this is why we've got to check this out. This is why every client is different because we can give them all sorts of data about why they're perfectly okay, but if they are unable to hear, then it's not going to do any good, right? Let me give you an example. If a client's super anxious about their money running out and they're thinking they need to slash all their expenses, sell their home, move in with the relatives, but you know, they have a fully funded 12-month emergency reserve. This could be a time to give them some information that suggests that they're okay. That in your professional opinion, they have plenty of cushion. But again, if they are emotionally flooded, they may be unable to hear that data. So you've got to go back to being with them. You've got to go back to getting curious and helping to understand What's what's behind their fears? What's the hope of doing that? What's the fear of, of doing that would be selling everything and slashing expenses when they don't need to? What's the fear if they don't? And really help them process that rather than wrestle with them verbally. You could get a completely opposite reaction from a, a client. A client could respond that, oh, you know, this is so cool. I lost my job. I hated my boss. I hated the job. I am so excited. In fact, I've wanted to take a sabbatical for a long time and maybe I'll just wait three or six months before doing anything. And as a planner, you know they have no emergency reserve. They don't have a cushion. This is going to require them coming up with a plan to deal with the shortfall. So in this case, they may need to slash expenses. They may need to sell the house or move in with relatives. They could also be very resistant to doing any of those things if you come up with them too quickly. And when we run into resistance with anybody, this means we're moving too fast. We need to back up and get curious. 
about what they're thinking and what they're feeling. Another thing that's important is that it's important not to resist a client's suggestion. So for example, they want to slash expenses, sell the home, go to cash with the portfolio, and the financial facts suggest that none of this is needed. Rather than meet their suggestion with data and resistance, why this isn't needed, a good first response is we can absolutely do that. Even if it's the last thing you would like to see them do, we can absolutely do that. Even if you think it's the worst thing in the world for them to do, we can absolutely do that. Why would you say this? Well, again, if you resist their idea, you're setting up a struggle and they're going to defend it, which is going to further entrench them into their position. So instead, you might find it more helpful to say, yes, we can absolutely do that. And would you be interested in exploring some other options? Well, sometimes when you say we can absolutely do that, I find many times people say, well, no, I, I don't want to do that necessarily. And it just opens the door, it removes the struggle, it removes the elephant in the room, so to speak. And you can get into saying, okay, well, if we sold out of your portfolio, let's just look at some of the options we have. Uh, how are you in spending down your principal? And, well, you know, if you picked up a little of this, a little of that, you may be able to replace some of the lost income. I find sometimes, talking through it enough, we've come up with an idea to invest in the exact same portfolio we have. So uh, that's really important that you don't struggle with the, the client. Finally, what emotions? Can the planner expect to arise within them or the financial therapist? Now, this is really a good question. And it's one that's commonly addressed by therapists and financial therapists. It's called the self of the therapist. And they do a lot of training and work on what's coming up emotionally for them. But this is rarely addressed in the financial planning world. The long and short of it is there's no way to predict what emotions are going to come up for the planner. <clears throat> Just like clients, every planner is different. The same situation could evoke fear in one planner, anxiety in another. I got to fix it for them. I'm responsible for them. Uh, maybe sadness in yet another maybe guilt. I mean, just about everything could come up. It all depends on what the planner's emotional history is, their past, and the depth and breadth of the unpacking that they've done of their own emotional wounding. So a planner that's done, we call this counter-transference work, a planner that's done a lot of work on their emotional and financial history is probably going to be able to sit with the client and be present and available more than someone who hasn't. What's really important is that the planner is aware of what's coming up for them in the moment so that they can continue to be present with the client. And this can take 
a lot of very intentional personal work. And you might say, well, so it's just important to be aware? Yeah. Because things can go off the track quickly when a planner is unaware that they have become emotionally triggered. And in that state, it's kind of an unconscious state, they are usually not effective in doing deep listening and responding to the client in a way that's helpful. So this is why I'm such a big proponent of planners and financial therapists doing their own work. And it's it's a big deal. In fact, that's the whole class I teach at Golden Gate University this semester is on financial planners doing their own work. So if you're a client, that's that's the best practices of what to expect in response from a planner. And if you're a planner or a therapist, financial therapist, I think these are some of the best practices that we can extend to our clients. So thanks for listening. And I look forward uh, to being with you again next week. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.